0: I'll talk to you for just a minute about something pretty germane to our walk with God. Amen? Are you converted? Somebody says, well, what does that mean exactly? Do I love God? Do I want to live for God? Everybody says yes, so that must mean that I'm converted. Not necessarily. Peter He loved Jesus, didn't he? When everyone else had forsaken Jesus, approximately 20,000 people had walked away from him, Jesus turned to the apostles and he said, Will you also go? And Peter said those famous words, he said, Lord, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And when he knew that Jesus was going to be facing a trial and going to be suffering, he told Jesus, he said, Lord, I'll go with you. I'll go with you to trial and to prison and even to death. I think Peter really had some kind of love for Jesus, didn't he? And yet Jesus mysteriously said to him right then, he told him he was going to deny him, and he said, But when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. Implying that he wasn't converted. He was an apostle of the Lord. He was an apostle of the Lamb. He already had the keys to the kingdom. Remember, the Lord had already said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal to you that I am the Messiah. And upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Peter was, he was a pretty wonderful man already, wasn't he? And yet, he wasn't converted because Jesus said, When you are converted, strengthen your brothers. So I want to ask you, are you converted tonight? And how do you know if you're converted? So Jesus said, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. And then after Peter, after Peter had denied Jesus, I remember just in August, Brother Josiah, Brother Randy, Brother Caleb, and I had the opportunity to be in Jerusalem. And... One of the most impacting places to me was Caiaphas' house. We saw the prison where Jesus was kept, where they had carved out of stone, out of the, out, right out of the rock, they had carved the prison. And there the, were the places in the, in the prison cells where, where the ropes would be, would be fastened and they would spread the man apart and they would beat him. Amen. We saw that. And we... We went outside and, and we saw the steps from Caiaphas' courtyard that Ritt led right down into the Kidron Valley and then back up to the Mount of Olives where the Bible specifically said that they led Jesus. And while we were standing there, they had this, they had this, um, this sculpture of, Peter, of Jesus bearing his cross and, and of Peter warming himself by the fire. And I said to the brothers, I said, you know, brothers, this is exactly where, Jesus, where Peter stood and denied Jesus. And right then when we said that, a rooster crowed. It was a little bit uncanny. And what got you is how real it was. It was no different than if you had stepped outside and it was just right here. It's not some mystical place. It's just the same old tired earth that we all tread, the same old rotten people, the same old roosters crowing. And yet God came into that world and he's still coming into our world today. Amen. So Jesus had said to Peter, "When you are converted, strengthen your brothers." And this idea that after his conversion he would strengthen his brothers, Jesus picked it back up after Peter had denied him. Remember Peter denied him, he cursed and he said, "I I do not know the man." And then Jesus suffered and Jesus died, and Peter had gone off fishing and the Lord came And what did the Lord ask Peter when he came to him? You know the passage very well. What did the Lord ask him? He asked him, Do you love me? And then he told him to strengthen his brothers, to feed God's sheep. And so those two scriptures are very important because together they show us that conversion is the same as coming to a certain kind of love for God. Conversion, like falling in love. Am I converted? We want to think of our conversion more like a recipe or a formula. I do this, and then I do that, and then I do this, and then out pops my salvation. If you add one egg, two cups of flour, half a cup of sugar, butter the pan, heat the oven to 350, put the cake in, Leave it in there for 35 minutes, put a toothpick in, pull it out, and if it's clean, dump it over, and you got yourself a cake. Now, don't go try to make that cake. But you've got yourself a cake. There's a recipe, and you got yourself a cake. And we humans, that's, we like that. We like things to be written out real simple for us. We like them in black and white ink. Oh, yes, I can do that. It gives us a sense that it's within our grasp. And so we like salvation models that are the same way, that tell us, just confess Jesus as your personal Savior, admit that you're a sinner, tell Him that you're going to give your heart to Him, and pop out pops your salvation. you got this beautiful little cake, and you can call it salvation. But that's not how God saves people. That's not how Peter was converted. He had already done all that. He had already confessed all that. He had already done everything that we could do. He had confessed Jesus as his personal Savior. He had said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Does that confess him or not? But Jesus had also said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of my Father, but only he who does the will of my Father will enter. Amen? So our recipe isn't going to get us there. And if you come into this fellowship, or you come and ask someone, what must I do to be saved? We can say to you the same thing. We can say, well, you need to repent. And you need to be filled with God's spirit. And you need to be baptized in, in Jesus' name. And you need to find your place in the body. And you can try to go through that like a recipe. But conversion is not like a recipe. It's like falling in love. Falling in love is by nature something that demands... It, it tells you how to act. It tells you where to go. It tells you how to dress, what to think, what to say, what to sing. It's just... It dictates everything about your life. And yet... It's not obligatory. It's not externalistic. It comes from within. Amen? If you you look at falling in love as an external obligation, you're not in love. Amen? But when you're in love, you want to be with that person no matter what. You just want to spend time with them. You want to laugh with them. You want to go places with them. You want to talk to them. You want to hold their hand. You want them to hold your hand. You want to know that intimacy, that connection. When you love somebody in that way, it takes it completely out of the realm of the recipe, of the formula. Amen? And it comes from your heart. And what I'm trying to tell you is that that hadn't happened in Peter's life. And we don't have to feel bad if that hasn't happened in our life. We just have to know that God still has a great promise for us that He still wants to fulfill. So if you're wondering, am I converted? I'm telling you, you know you're converted when your efforts to please God are taken out of the formulaic recipe model and they just... They come from within. I'm not saying that love is always easy. I'm not saying the whole marriage is like the first day you fell in love. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you've got to fall in love and that's the only thing that can sustain the marriage. Do you understand? And there's got to come something inside of you through reading the Word, through worshiping, through experiencing the Holy Spirit. Something has got to well up from within. Not just from without. If any man thirsts, let him drink. Let him come unto me and drink. And it's going to come from within, from inside of you. Amen? My father-in-law, Brother Dennis, I'm, going to, I'm not stealing this from you, Brother Dennis. I'm just, I'm just going to say something that you've shared with me the last couple weeks. Repeatedly, he has, he has pointed out the passage, the, the Shema, the cornerstone of the Jewish faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I've pointed out in the past how it says you shall love. It's amazing to me that love is something we shall do, not just something that we sometimes whimsically feel like doing, right? But he's been pointing out the order in which those commandments come forth. Amen. That's our relationship with God. Would you agree, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. But what comes first? He's been pointing out that you cannot love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind and strength if you don't learn first how to love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your emotions. That is what your heart refers to it refers to your feelings. You are an emotional creature. You are not like an animal. Animals don't cry and they don't laugh. But human beings, one of the most distinctive things about human beings is they can laugh and they can cry. In other words, they have the capacity to feel emotion. And that is what distinguishes you from all the creatures of the world because you're made in the image of God and God is a God of love, amen? So if God is love, you have to be like God in your capacity to feel. Now, when you're an immature baby... When you're a real young baby, when you're a child, you cry and you laugh just as easy as a drop of a hat, okay? But then when you become a real big baby around the time of 15, 16, 17, you lose that capacity. It all dries up, and you just don't know how to laugh anymore, and you don't know how to cry. Your ha <laughs> ha, and your crying is, well, it doesn't exist anymore, except if you're really mad, and it's just coming down against your will, amen. But you can't have a relationship with God until you get back in touch with your feelings, until you let God have your feelings. Amen? Peter said, Peter, he knew he learned a lesson. He was a man of zeal. He was a man of, of strength in the flesh. But he hadn't let God have his heart yet. He hadn't been reconstituted in the spirit. Amen? So he later would say, it is from the heart that we believe resulting in salvation. Amen? He, he learned a lesson there. And he learned how not to trust in his flesh. But he learned that conversion was falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. It's like you have got to come to a place. You've seen, when you're, when you're, if you've grown up in this community, you may see your beloved walk by you a thousand times every day maybe, every week certainly. You've seen him for years on end walk by and you don't even know. You don't even have any notion. But then one day for some reason something sparks inside of you and you say, God, I love that person. Do you understand? You know the feeling of love even if it's for a brother or a sister or a father or a mother you know the feeling of love you you know what it feels like for your child if you're a parent amen that's not obligatory it's not external it comes from within now is it possible to kill love yes it's possible to kill love paul told us that we could become people who are who get past feeling it's possible to kill love you can quench the spirit That's why he said in 1 Thessalonians 4.19, do not quench the Spirit. But Paul would elsewhere say, fan up the gift. Fan to flame the gift that lies within sight of you through the laying on of my hands. So the Holy Spirit, even when you do fall in love, even when suddenly all of your efforts, they become animated with this excitement with this longing, with this passion for God, even after that, you can still quench the spirit. You can still become your calm, cool, and collected person. And if that's happened, you've lost your relationship with God. And eternal life is to have a relationship with God. Jesus said so in John seventeen three. Amen? Do you have a relationship with God? It starts with your feelings. It starts with your feelings. That's why so much emphasis is put on prayer and praise and worship. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Sing of all of his wonders. Proclaim his good news from day to day. Lift up your hands as the evening sacrifice and as your pray and your praise as an offering before your God. All of these passages, the biggest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. And it's it's not about thinking, it's about feeling, it's about worship and praise. When you sing, it's not an intellectual exercise. It's either a meaningless, lifeless exercise, or it is an exercise of your feelings. Most of the songs in the world are written for what? Love. <laughs> Most of the songs in the world are written for love. And a lot of them are sappy, sticky, ooey, gooey, meaningless songs that really ought to bore you stiff, okay? But that's why you sing, for, sing to the Lord as well. The biggest songbook in the Bible, book of Psalms, is also their songs of love. Amen? God wants your love heart he wants your feelings because he is not going to reign in your life through your carnal mind he is going to reign through the spirit are you going to worship him with all your mind absolutely but you can't get to your mind brother dennis until you go through your heart the pathway to open up your mind is through your feelings the pathway to worship god with your spirit your soul is through your feelings, your heart, the pathway to get to worshiping God with all your strength, your actions. That's your obedience, right? Do you want to worship God with all your obedience, with all your strength? Do you want your actions to worship God? Huh? You can't do it unless you find the joy of the Lord that is your strength. You can't do it unless you go through the worship of your heart, worshiping Him with your heart. 1 Corinthians 1, he says, I has not seen... What's the next part? Ear has not heard. Mind has not conceived, nor has it occurred to the heart of man what God has promised and prepared for those who what? Who follow a recipe? Who are dutiful little Christians? No, but those who love Him. Do you love God? Amen. I remember... As a kid, when people would talk about loving God, it it scared me because I feared God, but I didn't love Him. I honored God, but I didn't love Him. I believed in His his reality, but I, I didn't love Him. How could I love God? I didn't see Him. But then, through His Spirit, He began to meet my needs. Through His Word, He began to answer my questions. He began to heal my broken spirit. Amen? He began to love me through my brothers and sisters. And I began to love the God whom I could not see because I learned to love the brothers that I could see. And I learned to respond to the spirit that I could feel and the words that my heart could receive. Then pretty soon I found myself where we would start singing some song about Jesus and I was only 17, but I would find tears running down my face. Oh, God thank you for saving me. Oh God, I praise you. And I began to feel what my brothers and sisters were feeling. It was no longer just the mighty rushing wind that blew all around me, but left my branches as still, as lifeless as they could be. But pretty soon, the wind started blowing <laughs> and my branches started moving too. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you're a house plant, I want you to go out in the wind tonight. And let God move through your feelings. Amen. The houseplant sits there and it it never moves. It's just you can go up and go, Whoa. maybe the leaf will quiver a little bit. But you go out there and you look at those trees when a storm is blowing in. Mm. I mean they are bending. Those trees are strong. They have experienced the reality of the wind. Therefore, their roots, they're they're strong. If you take that houseplant, you put it out on the porch in the bad storm, pop. It's going to snap over. But God wants the houseplants to come out in the wind tonight. He wants us to respond. He wants us to worship Him with our hearts, with our feelings. This is why we worship. This is why we sing. This is why we pray. This is why we lift our hands. This is why we dance. We're trying to come out of the carnal mind. We're trying to come out of the tree of knowledge that results in death. And we're trying to come back into the spirit of the day where the breeze is blowing and we're feeling it, where we're responsive and supple to God, and, amen, and first by responding with our hearts, then it goes to our hearts, our souls, our minds, and finally it catches up with our strength, amen.